You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yo, it is another edition of IOPS. I am James Seltzer. With me, as always, Mr. Parade Float himself, Mr. Johnny Marks. What's up, brother? Well, not as always, because we have different schedules now, but a, a lot point. of times, fair Fritz point. somehow weasels, weasels his way in here. It's to, true. To it was supposed to be as always. I it think the, the heart us. of the podcast was that. Yeah. Uh, but it has been a little while since you and I have gotten a chance to talk. And hey, John. What's happening tomorrow? Wow, man. It, 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 it's crazy because the, the Eagles, normally the bridge only gets you so far with the Eagles. Well, the bridge took us all the way to the spring training because you saw the bus leave or the truck leave and pitchers and catchers, and it's a beautiful thing. That That's the craziest part is, is none of us really know how to deal. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast probably – Eagles fans as well. Uh, it's so strange because we don't really know how to deal with this where we actually are are still wanting and craving Eagles Super Bowl talk, you know, this late into February. Um, so I think the Phillies have kind of gotten a little bit of a short shaft. And Definitely. that's why we're here to talk about it because pitchers and catchers report to spring training tomorrow, John, and there's no better words for a baseball fan than that. And uh, I, we're going to dive into kind of some of the potential themes or, or storylines for spring training in just a minute and also look at some of the uh, uh, still hot stove move left out there as, as it seems like no free agents are ever going to sign as teams are uh, reporting. And there's so many guys who are still unsigned. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost, Johnny, uh, yeah, what is, just the feel for you when I say to you tomorrow, pitchers and catchers are reporting and the Phillies are starting their season. Like, what's that feel for you? Yeah, I can smell the leather. I can smell the the ballpark. You can you can hear the the ball going from from mitt to the, the the smack of the mitt. I mean, it really is. And and being a, someone who's been able to go down the spring training a bunch of times, uh, working in radio and uh, seeing behind the scenes and. And watching the guys get ready, and I mean, it's really, really cool. And it's it. If you haven't been down to spring training as a fan, I recommend you do it. And good now's a really good time because when when the Phillies are really good, Philadelphia takes over that whole town, and it's like it's just it's chaos. You're paying a hundred bucks for a spring training ticket back in the back in the in the, the good old nine, yeah nine and ten and eleven. Now you can get down there, you get a, a relatively cheap ticket. It's a great stadium. 
but this is in spring training. Everybody has a chance, and there's the stories and the guys that might make the team, and you get to take a look at the younger guys that aren't going to make the team, but it's pretty cool. John, in case you didn't know, every single player in Major League Baseball is in the best shape of their life. So get ready for that, baby. I can't wait for the first best shape of his life guy. Uh, But, John, let's dive in. There's a lot to talk about with this Phillies team as they – Come into spring training. Crazy to say that until the U Darvish signing, the Phillies had the highest free agent signing of the offseason with Carlos Santana, which certainly didn't seem like it at the time would be. Uh, but still some big names left on the market. But um, we'll get into that in a bit, John. Let's start. I want to do some macro kind of theme type stuff looking at spring training as we look at this team as it's constituted heading in. Right now, as we head into spring training, what is the thing that you feel the the strongest about about this team what's the thing you have the most confidence in well i mean i i think that they're going to offensively i think they're going to be pretty good this year they are i actually see some real talent on there with uh with with what reese was able to do last year and the fact that santana's coming in here and you're talking about a bona fide major league player you are forget about on base percentage which he's which he, he he knows what he's doing and there's a reason why they brought him in but in this ballpark he could hit in any number of places. I don't even know. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. But you have some flexibility. You have uh, actually have maybe some depth in the outfield now with Hoskins moving to left field. And yet you have a real possibility of being able to score some runs this year. Now, pitching's a different story. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I, I like the lineup. And I'm liking the fact that we're going to see J.P. Crawford from the onset as the starting shortstop. It's pretty yeah, fun. I, I feel the exact same way about the lineup. And and especially from a getting on base perspective, you look at how it's constituted. You got, I mean, Santana, you look at the A, the durability that guy's had, and B, just his ability to get base on base so consistently at 366 career on base percentage over a, a, a you know pretty large sample size of a major league seasons i love that addition he could he batted lead off sometimes for the indians he, he could bat one two like he gets on base at such a high clip and then crawford man at 350 on base percentage as a as a you know rookie last season you look at hoskins the upside there I, i'm with you i think the ability of this team to get on base is going to be a hallmark for this offense and look, I think it's clearly what they're trying to do. Kapler, absolutely. You know, we have talked a million times about Kapler, analytically analytically inclined, someone who is geared towards that type of stuff, and just the way they put the team together. I'll give you another thing I feel really good about, though, is I think that you know the offense on the whole, and and the guys we kind of highlighted are are what is the first thing that pops to mind, but. Feeling really good about this bullpen, John. Heading into to spring training, the moves they've made. Love bringing Nishik back, Tommy Hunter. I feel really good about Hector Neris. Obviously, they've done a really nice job of molding some young arms that that I feel like you can count on moving forward. With some of the higher price, or not? Excuse me, not higher price. Some of the uh, you know either older or you know a little bit higher price type guys. But I mean. Tommy Hunter's six million a year contract looks like a steal. The way the rest of the market played out, usually seven, eight, nine for those type yeah. of guys. I, I, John, I feel really, especially for a team, and we're going to get into an, in a minute because I feel like there's not much of a bigger worry than the starting rotation. But uh, you know, the bullpen potentially something that could make up for some of the issues on the starting end. Yeah, I mean, even if they, and I don't know what's going to happen if they're going to be able to to snag a, a guy that in. When you look at the way free agency is working out, it, it's really it's a waiting game, and it's crazy. Dar- Darvish goes, and now you figure that maybe everybody else in the market's going to go. But um, 
you, you have to feel good about where the bullpen is. Now, if you can't get starters to take you six innings and give you quality <laughs> yeah, starts, exactly. you forget about the bullpen. But listen, they, they have a good idea what they're doing. This front office knows what this team is right now. They're not ready to compete. They're not ready to win right now. But that doesn't mean next season if this lineup evolves and you can make a good trade or you can sign a guy even next year, you're still going to have this bullpen in place. So it, it, it is... When you talk about strengths on your team, if your bullpen's a strength, that's a good thing. And the other thing is, can you use those players to leverage a trade at exactly. the trade deadline and everything else? And you saw it with Nishek last year. Yeah. You were able to get a guy that R- was actually repeat. You know, listen, he he had a, he he did he was phenomenal in the Phillies bullpen, and you were actually able to get a top. Tw- I think he's a top thirty prospect mm-hmm. in their system right now, which is saying something for the Philly system. Yeah, I mean, the guy they got, for, as far as for the, the you know, he was a top 10, or I believe a top 15 prospect in their in system. In Colorado, yeah. Yeah, in Colorado. Uh, look, I'm with you 100%, especially a guy like Nishik, who has shown that he can come in, do a really good job, and get traded for an asset at the deadline when teams are more in need of middle relievers, more willing to make that kind of sacrifice, because it's a missing piece. You know, it's a lot easier to do that at you know mid season when you know what you've got than right now where everyone mm-hmm. thinks that they've got everything figured out, uh, so I'm with you 100 percent there. I think you know it all comes back to the starting rotation and and you said there and I agree. I think they know what this team is and they're not quote unquote gearing to compete this season. But I do think that if they go out and get a couple starters, not that they're going to be a, a World Series contender. But they could play meaningful September baseball with this lineup. If you can add and look, uh, I know that the, we'll talk about the the level of type of free agent. But even if you can have Nola take a a expected you know solid tiny step forward, just be what he was more consistently. You know over that stretch where he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, you don't mm-hmm. expect that, but you expect a number two potentially. Whatever you know, you're lacking that ace unless they want to go out and get Arietta, which which you know is kind of the discussion which we'll get into. Especially if he potentially likely turned down what the Cubs said they turned down what the Cubs offered, which I don't think is true. I think if Arietta got that offer, he would take it. Yeah, really. But um, that, look, I think that you know right now you got Aaron Nola and, and and literally nothing you can count on, John. You had what you had last year, which wasn't good enough. And you absolutely, ha- and you have guys that and and I. I I would prefer that, that the Phillies don't go out, go out and spend, overspend on a pitcher that's not going to be worth it. It's one thing if you get an Arietta, which who I actually like, but a guy that's a four starter that you're paying mm-hmm. really two or three money to get. But you you can't go into this season with with bringing out the Pavettas and the Eflins yep. and those kind of guys to where you have to rely on them every five days. I I don't think it's fair to the rest of the team because the rest of the team is at this level. But their starting pitch, their starting pitching, certainly isn't at that level. So it, it, I was hoping they were going to be be able to be creative and get something done. The problem is everybody in Major League Baseball is trying to be creative to get something done. Yeah, and look, if there's something everybody needs, it's starting pitching. You know, it's an, a tale as old as time, as they say. But I think even more so now, especially like you were talking about, John, like. Uh, you know, starting pitchers don't pitch nearly as well. When we were growing up, you know, not not just where they're the Nolan Ryans of the world, but but just in general, pitchers pitch more complete games, pitch more innings, less of the special specialization in middle relief. That is more of a, you know, one of the byproducts of the kind of analytics movement and seeing, you know, matchup driven type pitching. 
So I think the Phillies, you know, they're going to have to get a, a guy at least who could just eat innings for them. You know, whether it's a Wade Miley no, or right. someone like that out there is not anything sexy, but can maybe give you string two, three good starts at a time and then maybe a bad one and, and kind of that type of pattern for you. But I, look, they got to do something. And there are guys out there. I mean, Arietta really, I think, is the only top guy on the market left, obviously, but... I mean, whether there's, you know, and I'm not super excited about an Andrew Kashner or Jason Vargas or whatever, but those are the types of names you're going to see. Alex Cobb's still out there. That's who's available. Yeah, that's who's available. Mm -hmm. So Lance Lynn, what's amazing is the entire market, like you said, is still available. The Darvish contract happens. You think that stuff's going to start happening here, but I mean, they have to do something, John. So would you rather they go and say, and look, again, not 5 for 126, but let's say Arietta. the reason that he hasn't signed yet is he's looking for a four-year deal instead of a three-year deal. What if he wants four years at $80 million or something in oh, that sure. range? Lock. Lock that up, $20 million a year? I, I think you're— He'll probably want more than that. Yeah, he It's will. just the question of whether the guarantee— Look, he's going to get three-year three year offers with higher AAV, obviously, than four years. He could Three get some, for 85? Exactly. Like three for 75, three for 80, that something seems like, like that. It's right up— right up uh, the Phillies' alley, that that they would much rather do the shorter-term contracts and give the extra dollars per year. Smart. It is. and I, I Especially I, to a pitcher at that age. I and like him. I like him. I do, too. I, I'm I, a fan. I, I like him better than Darvish, to be to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I do. I, no, I look, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm not, look, I've seen Jake Arrieta have some great games on the world's biggest stage. I, I, you know, I, I, granted, I'm not holding Darvish's World Series performance against him in that sense. I think Darvish a more talented pitcher, but Certainly. Uh, look, Arietta is really good. It's my bigger thing is more that I feel more confident in Darvish's ability to uh, look I, to continue for a longer period of time, even though they're right around the same age. Arietta a little bit older, but I, look, I think I see what you're saying. I think you can make the argument. I would like to get him for three years. Four seems like too many for me. If I were a betting man, I'd bet on Arietta having one more really good season, one good to solid season, and then a bad season in a three-year deal if you signed it. Who knows? But yeah, I, there's got to be be a team out there that's willing to go go more than three years. You would think so. I mean, there are teams that need starters that are, are really planning to contend this year. So, but, but here's the other thing I'll say. that GMs in baseball these days aren't stupid. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, more than ever in the history of the sport times a million. It they're is. all really smart. Like, there's no more, there's no more, you know, idiots you can take advantage of for the most part. Right. The, 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 the talk of collusion among Major League Baseball, and I'm not telling you that it doesn't go on in all sports, but I think more than anything, GMs are looking and being like, yeah, we're not going out and giving seven year contract to a guy that we know, A, isn't that good, B, is going to be an injury liability. Like the, the Cubs reached on you, Darvish, giving him the sixth year. Mm-hmm. I, the, the back end of that contract, I, I, I don't really understand what they're doing anyway, but the back end of that contract, they're more or less saying for the first three or four years, we're willing to give a six year right. contract. Which is a lot of contracts. Of when it you was get, the Yankee yeah. way for a while. Yeah, totally. No, uh, the CC contract, even though CC ended up really earning that contract and pitching much better than expected on the back end. But. I think that's exact. I think with any of these types of deals, you're you're hoping that the first two years, if even if you sign a three year deal, you're hoping those first two years the value outweighs it. But at the same time, it's also a team that the Phillies have all the money in the world to spend. Yep. It, it is insane how how solid this offense is, considering how much money is still on the table for them. 
I think there's no secret they are going to spend in 2019. We've talked about it. It seems like everyone in the world has talked about it. Seems like it. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that that they might not say, "All right, well, we want to really contend in 2019. We bring in Arietta now. He's a big part of that next season." I don't think that's crazy. I, I think that they are starting to turn the page. It's all going to come down to the value and the number. And I know that seems obvious, but I think I, I certainly think they're in on it. If not, John, like, how worried are you? Uh, you know, if I mean, Alex Cobb is a name that I think we both like more than some of the others out there. Lance Lynn. But let's say they end up uh, going out and getting a Wade Miley and a, and a Jason Vargas or, or whatever. Does that, how how drastically is that going to damper your excitement for the, the you know, their possibilities this season? Uh, and I, see, I, I had no expectation of them going out and solving their starting pitching right. needs. I, I, I know how you build this team. You got to do it through your farm system, and then you got to add key pieces. Right now, they have pitchers in their farm system mm-hmm. that may or may not develop. They do. They have they have guys that can they've turn got in. guys. Yeah, they've got guys. Now, what happens from when they're nineteen and twenty years old and high A ball to making the majors? Who knows? Exactly. That's why they're called prospects. Yep. Uh, but they're at some point they're going to have to spend money to get starters because they because they need they need guys to throw innings exactly and and, and we saw last year look a team that that has this type of offensive potential it's not going to be good enough to roll Zach Eflin out there every five days it's not going to be good enough to roll the Jared Eikhoff we saw last season out every five days though I think Eikhoff the most likely of that group to to have a spot in the rotation this season. Pavetta, you know, showed some stuff at times, but also showed to be, you know, I think he's got, a, a at least of that group, another somewhat decent chance. I don't think you see Eflin anywhere near the rotation to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm missing one guy. There's one more guy in that group who uh, was up and down who I'm forgetting, but also someone who's unexciting to me. But, um, look, that's the problem. And and I think that we're going to have to see. That's going to be the biggest thing you're watching, right? You're watching. Let's get to that. So So with this in mind, and we're still waiting to see what, free agent moves are going to happen and and if maybe there's a, a trade on the table still who knows uh, you know Clentac is as aggressive has already made some moves I think he'll be aggressive if the opportunity is there but spring training starts tomorrow I mean pitchers and catchers tomorrow for all intents and purposes within the next week we'll really start getting into the flow of spring training and games will start what are you looking for early on? Because again, you know you're going to hear everybody's in the best shape of their life that that's that Always. type of stuff is going to come out. We'll get to that in a sec because I want to ask you a question about sifting through that. But first, what is the main thing you're going to be looking for? You know, obviously you're going down there at some point, but yeah. what are you paying attention to? I want to see what Aaron Nola looks like. I mean, really, when, when you talk about things that that you want to see in 2018 and and last year, uh, early on the boxes weren't checked because there was just really nobody on the roster that was going to be here long term that was doing anything now. Oduble heated up. Um, God, Franco just struggled the whole season long. But in, really until Reese Hoskins came up, that's when you saw then J.P. Crawford came up. Then you actually saw Scott Kingery is, had a great season, and then he was going to be 18 at some point. So I'm I'm checking the boxes. Aaron Noah, listen, he's shown flashes. He's got to pull it together. He's got to put the whole season together. Yes, He's had stretches. He's got to stay healthy. You know, so... That's that's number one. He is the he is the one pitcher that I know that can get that that can come out every five days and actually win a game for you. I think you could say he's the most important person on the team. He is. He is because if, if nothing else, and Kurt Schilling proved this when he was with Philly, 
that every five days you knew that he could stop a streak. It's a great point. You know, and Aaron Nola, he's going to have to be that guy. Yeah, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a choice because you're right. He's probably not that guy. A number uh, two. Yeah. A solid number two, a mm-hmm. good number two. He's not even a 1A. He's probably a number two. We'll see. Um, but until they get to number one, he's the number one. Exactly. And, and he's going to have to be. And and sometimes you go, and look, he should, and that's the thing. He showed during that 10 start stretch, whatever it was, 11 start stretch, he showed that he can be that guy for stretches. He should, like, he was a number one, a bona fide. He was. No question about it, number one for that stretch. So we know he's got it in him. Once you've displayed a skill, you own it. You know, so I, I believe that he could do that at the major league level, especially over that long a period of time. So uh, I'm with you. I think that Nola, the most important person on this team right now, outside of that, if, you know, uh, it's so hard, and, and that's kind of what I want to get into here. It's it's so hard to kind of piece the real from the 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 not real, the fake right. in spring training, especially you know we're obviously in a time where where news is hard enough to know what's real and what's not. But when sense. you look at spring training, it really is hard. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've seen guys just tear up spring training and then the season starts and they can't hit because pitchers are working on things. Pitchers aren't showing their stuff, this and that, whatever it is. So, uh, John, are there any ways that you kind of, are there any things that you look for in particular in in your coverage? When you're looking at the guys down there covering spring training and, and you're reading the articles and you're sifting through all the information out there, like... Are there any particular general things or themes that that kind of stand out to you as a way to decipher the real from the not real? Uh, as far as pitching velocity, and because a lot of times you'll see guys that that come in, and I think it's natural to to gain your philosophy as spring training goes. But guys that don't, how many times have we seen? I'm trying to think of a, a pitcher, and Cole Hamels in 2009 was was one obvious example, but. You get to April and the velocity is still not there. Mm-hmm. They're still thrown in the high 80s. Yep. And it's like, hold on, what's going on? Is there an injury? Was he not ready for spring training? So it's that. But like you said, with the pitcher, they're working on stuff. They're working on their pitches. So by the end of spring training, that's where you want to see. It's kind of like a quarterback since since we're all eagle up on this town. You want to see by the by the Wait, second. The eagle, did something happen with the Eagles? <laughs> I heard they were in the Super Bowl. I didn't see the result. Um, but the, <laughs> don't spoil it for our listeners. They might I be going back to one. Yeah, they may not have seen it. It's on the DVR still. Um, but it's like the, the quarterback in the NFL, the second to last preseason game, because they're not playing in the last preseason game. You want to see them look their sharpest yep. then. So I want to see guys looking sharp towards the end of spring training. As far as the position guys, um, you know, JP Crawford, I'm I really want to see, I want to see his defense in spring training. Mm-hmm. I, I, I he may press. The offense may not be there right from spring training, and I'm not going to go nuts about it. I want to see what he looks like. We didn't see him a lot of shortstop. We didn't. We saw him look great at third. Look great at third. I want to see his defense and how he looks defensively with uh, with Cesar at second base's uh, battery mate right there. I I have no interest and no expectation with anything involving Mikel Franco because nothing me that either. he can do is going to make me feel better. Even if he if he he's on fire in spring training, it'll I'll be encouraged. He's going to prove he yeah. can do it during the regular season. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, at the point where I don't even know if I'll be encouraged. I just need to see it during the regular season. I mean, sure, it, he can hit, you know, pitchers aren't going to make rosters or this or that or right. whatever. He can hit, a, know, he can hit a, a mistake. To quote the great Lou Brown, yeah, if a guy will be bagging groceries. groceries. And, you know, right, but it's true. But I, I think that, I think you hit on a really important point with the pitching. I think velocity, seeing velocity, seeing... Upticks in velocity, guys who are throwing harder. I think that's a real important indicator 
Also, I like finding, you know, I think they're, they're, the stuff that's real is when you hear about guys who have legit new pitches or have, have, some, have changed something to the way they do their approach, change their batting stance, change the, the, their pitching motion, whatever, move to the other side of the rubber. I know that sounds silly, but it's those type of, of changes that usually precede some sort of unexpected yep. breakout or some sort of, you know, big step forward. So, and look, th- those don't always work out, but I think that that type of stuff, especially if you're hearing positive reviews about it, like, you know, he changed his stance and he's able to open up much quicker and it's really helped him so far. Stuff like that. Whereas if you see Michael Franco, perfect example here, you see he's batting 500 through the first two weeks of the season. It's one thing if he's just batting 500. It's another thing if a bunch of stories are coming out about Michael Franco has drastically changed his approach at the plate. Blah, 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 blah. closer to the plate. All that. Is trying Uh, to hit the ball the other way. Exactly. As as open as stance. I think that's the type of stuff to look for. If you see they're in the best shape of their life, just assume it's not true. That you know, as we joked around about the biggest cliche, you're going to see that type of stuff. With Franco, he will, if he's pulling everything, if he's swinging out of his cleats, then that means nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. So don't expect different results. If he's doing something different, if Gabe Kapler has gotten through to him with a different approach, that's reason to be excited. I, I, I have I have I have absolutely positively um no great expectations. I have for zero Franco. expectations. Like honestly, uh, in my mind, Kingery's the second baseman and Cesar Hernandez moved to third. Like that's where I'm at. Like I'm ready to to move forward. That's but maybe Kingery can play third base. Maybe he could. I mean, they tried him out a little bit last year. A you know, bit. but I think that uh, uh, Michael Franco gets me so frustrated. But look, there's still a lot of talent there. He's still young. I expect nothing, and hopefully, I'm pleasantly surprised. Maybe, maybe he'll be Nelson Aguilar uh, for the Phillies. Unexpected, but uh, I think the bigger thing for me. Uh, you made a great point there, talking about Kapler, and we may, you know, we haven't really given that enough credence in terms of of what Kapler can come in. We and, haven't. You're right? right. You know, so so maybe if I do see some changes with with Franco and and, and it makes a difference, maybe I'm even more inclined to, to believe it because it's a new hitting coach, it's a new system, whatever. I think all that stuff matters, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Kapler sets his lineups, how Kapler goes about kind of managing a team. I, I think that's going to be a fascinating storyline of spring training talking, heading into the season. Talking to a couple people here uh, just recently. Uh, in the Phillies organization talking about Kapler, it's all kind of the same reaction, which is he's a really, the word they use is interesting. He's a really interesting guy. High energy, very positive, um, just a, a, a very interesting guy. Now, that's not going to work for everybody, right? but it, it could it could work, especially for a young a young team Bingo. that buys into it. I think that's a great point, John. I think that like that's exactly who it works for. I think you're dead on with that. Whereas, you bring him in, the Ryan Howard and Jimmy and Shane and that team in 2011. Done. Young guys that want to be successful and yeah. see an opportunity, it, you, you can grow with them. And a lot of... I think a lot of people poo-poo a manager in Major League Baseball because they, they're like, what do they really do? And I understand when people say that, but at the same time, the good managers can make such a difference in a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And for what we saw last year out of Pete McCannon, there could be a world of difference with with Gabe Kapler if he turns into the guy that the Phillies organization think he is. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, and, and again, the the eagled up. I mean, we saw what a what a what a type of personality and a coach can do for a locker room and can do for certain types of players or a certain group of guys. Kapler's high energy, like they said, I think that that's that's good for a younger group of guys. I think that, 
He's got a lot of history in player development. You know, he knows what to look for with younger guys. So I'm with you, and I think it's going to be fascinating. I think one of the keys is going to be, and you have to assume that it will be, but Klentak and the front office having Kapler's back and defending because he is, as we've discussed, interesting guy. He's going to do some, quote-unquote, interesting stuff as a manager. You, you know it's coming. Oh, yeah. And you know people like at our own station, like Howard Eskin, are going to go after him when he does it. If it doesn't work out, we are like he is going to need to have Klentak have his back. Well, he's and, going and to. Support, and I agree. I just think that's going to be a massive part. Because this is, this is their guy. Pete McCannon wasn't their guy. Agreed. And for all the – and you, you mentioned Howard. Last year, Howard liked Pete. And all all season long – and I'm not a I'm not a guy that normally calls for this person to lose their job or fire this person or fire that person, but I I, I said this about Pete McCannon and I was doing pre and post for for every weekday game. I said this about Pete McCannon last year. Normally, managers that lose that many games don't keep their jobs. Yep. And it, it, at the same time, when he when it was announced that he wasn't coming back, a lot of people were taken off guard. That's just because we weren't paying attention. That's no other reason other than we really just weren't paying attention. We should have seen that coming from a mile away, that a regime that didn't hire him, results that were that were not good, a team that was not that he was not pushing the right buttons. Gabe Gabe Kapler now, this is their guy. This is their guy. So for them to be for him to be successful is it makes Matt Quintet look better. So he's gonna do everything possible and make that happen. A million percent. I I I, I expected McCann to get fired. Talked about it a fair amount on the on the Phillies today, the other podcast that I had done last season. Are you doing that again this year? I don't know. We'll see. You were doing a daily Phillies. I know. On Phillies twenty four seven. Talking to myself for twenty five minutes. It, it was aggressive, but um, <laughs> it was it, towards the end of the season. It was aggressive, um, but look, I think that uh, I think with the. The Kapler thing here, and and I agree with you. Klentak is going to want him to succeed with McCannon. I, I said he was going get, to get fired because my, my whole rationale was, first and foremost, was that I didn't think he was the guy. There's a reason he's only been an intern before. He's a major league lifer, not the type of guy to develop a young team. But regardless, more so the fact that we saw what they did with the contract status. You know, he was a lame duck manager. They said, all right, we're giving you another year, so you're not a lame duck, so you have some authority in the locker room. You knew they weren't going to give him another year. They weren't going to bring him back to be another lame duck. So you either have to give him another year, or or get rid of him. So I, I felt pretty confident about that. And and like you said, I think anyone should have been confident about that. Pete McCannon was never handpicked by this you know new regime here, so that you would never expect. Look, that, that's you know GMs are going to bring their guys in. It's the way they work, and they should look the importance of a GM and coach relationship and the ability to work together is incredibly important. Like we talked about, so. You want someone you can work with, who you feel comfortable working with. So I'm all for it. I, you know, McCannon, nice guy, but I think it was the right move to move on. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm I'm excited about the at least the the outside the box and 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 you know different way of thinking that Kapler can bring here. Yep, it'll be interesting because this is really the first. You go from Charlie Manuel to to Ryan Sandberg to Pete McCannon. Yeah. Now you have Gabe Kapler. Yeah. I mean, what a contrast. Oh, my God. It's like you put Gabe Kapler and Charlie Manuel in a room together and, and just <laughs> record it, and it'll be amazing. Uh, I mean, Charlie might like only say three words, but uh, I do think, though, Kapler, and that's the thing. I think that Kapler already, just, just by the way people have talked about him and stuff, I think that he throws a lot of people off. Just don't forget that this guy played in the major leagues for a long time. He has been around baseball his whole life. He is an incredibly smart man. Mm -hmm. I know that that he could be off-putting for some, 
but give him a chance because I, I think that he, he's got a real chance to be successful. There was a reason every, a lot of teams in the yeah. league, you know, wanted him. Charlie was, and Charlie's a big fan. Yeah, and look, from what I hear, and Char and Charlie was someone who who certainly was not wholly accepted when he first came into this city and he shut everyone up as well so uh yeah i'm with you there uh all right johnny uh before we get out of here a couple more things just with spring training um i asked you before kind of what your biggest worry is what your biggest strength is going through kind of looking around the diamond who's you mentioned jb crawford who's the one guy that you need to see something from this spring training aaron altair what like that, and that's interesting too, because the whole like that's going to be interesting to watch too. We didn't really talk about the potential, like who's going to start out there, but they don't make a move. But Altair, I think, is a great one. Yeah, the, 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 and we didn't get to it, and and it's good. We'll have plenty of time during spring training yes, doing. We're these, going to be doing a lot more pods. The outfield that, situation uh, is really interesting because you went from being like, well, you know, there's room for Altair and Nick Williams and Oduble to. Oh, Reese Hoskins is now your left fielder. Who's the odd man out? And I actually think that that Clintock did a, did a great job because Nick Williams had a good season last year, but it, we'll see year two. You know, totally. it, it's great to have an Aaron Altair batting from the right side. Aaron Altair can't stay healthy when he's healthy. Pretty good player. Pretty good player. You also have Herrera who could be traded at any sure. point could flake out is also by the way very talented and can really get this lineup going totally i like, a great defender too and it, listen if gabe kapler great defender if gabe kapler pushes the right buttons there's four guys there's plenty of the bats for four guys there are there are plenty of bats so if santana needs a day off every two weeks totally. hoskins slides to, to first base maybe he plays six out of seven games 12 out of 14 games there's enough at bats, and if you play situationally, where Williams is sitting against the tough lefties, if he's struggling, totally, all it, it's a it. I like this outfield. I, I'm I'm intrigued by the outfield. I, I I totally agree with you, and I think Altair is someone who, I like. We don't really know what his ceiling is. You know what is he? Exactly, because no. because obviously you know the nice first you know whatever hundred plus at bats that first year, then hurt the next year, awful, and then. You know, really good at stretches last year, but also flashed, unable to stay on the field. He's flashed brilliance at times. Yes, but and, it's consistency when you when you're a professional. You right, but the right age heading into that, you know, 27, 28 prime of your career. You know, at least historically for baseball players. Well, and and here's the other thing that for guys like Aaron Altair, and if I, I, I'm assuming he, like you said, everybody's in the best shape of their life. I'm assuming that being he's injured and everything else that. This is the time for him to step up because as he approaches his arbitration years and then yes. becomes a free agent, this is this is his life right here. It's a great point. He could be it's he, a great point. He could set up his family and his family's family and his family's family if he turns into a a, a good starting major leaguer. He can't stay healthy and is what he is right now. Yeah, he's gonna live a nice life, but we're talking about fifty million dollars or ten million dollars. It's a great no, it's a great point. And I and I do think that's what he has riding. I mean, maybe you know the numbers are slightly off because baseball players make so much freaking money. But yeah, uh, below average, <laughs> below average starters are making seven million a year. Um, What's Todd Frazier's making seven and a half? He batted two thirteen well, last I mean, year. That's I mean, you're saying ten two thirteen. That's what I'm saying, man. I'm saying Aaron Altair is going to make more than ten million in his career, no matter what he does. Probably is more my point. But yeah, you're right. That's where I was going. Regardless, the the sentiment is dead on. My guy, I mentioned him before. It's Jared Eichoff. 
just because, look, no matter what they do, and you know, they're not signing four free agent starting pitchers between now and the start of the season. Yeah, let's hope for one. Let's like, yeah, like this rotation. They've nobody. Eikhoff is going to have to start. I, I I have seen enough from Eikhoff two years ago to believe that he's look, he's not gonna be a star. He doesn't have one, two type of that, but he could be a four or five, like a, a legit four or five, someone who can give you a good amount of innings without walking guys can strike some guys out. I need to see that from my golf because as sad as it is to say, like we need guys who can be major league caliber caliber starters, whatever, whether they're, if you're going to have Aaron Nola and, and four fives, if you tell me you have Aaron Nola and four MLB fours or fives, I'd feel good about it because right now I feel like you have Aaron Nola and a bunch of fringe quad A type guys, guys who aren't really major league, you know, successful major league pitchers. I think, Pavetta has flashed enough where I believe there's some upside there, but he's got, he's he's got, got good. He's stuff. got good stuff. Pavetta has shown of all those guys, Pavetta has shown the ability to be the most dominant. But again, he's his done nothing his close to put it all together. Exactly. His so Eikhoff, I know that guy can do it over a full season. I've seen it happen. Weird year last year. You, you see that all the time. Well, and, and I'm he, watching. He Eikhoff. also he lost some velocity, mm-hmm. and he's not a guy he that had can the afford. injury to the back thing. I always feel like those back things are, are something that's so underrated in terms of velocity. And it's a your everybody whole thinks shoulder or elbow. Yes, but that really does. He he's a guy that can't make a lot of mistakes. And when you when you're going from 91, 92 to 88, 87, that's a problem. It's exactly like it's not. It's not just a problem. It's your career. It's, like, yeah, you, like you as a right-handed pitcher, you, you, it's tough to do. And that. that's the thing is, it's it's such a massive difference. Like the velocity in those levels, like is everything. You can't unless you're unless you're peak Greg Maddox, and even then Maddox threw in the nineties, low nineties most of the time, 89, 98, 88 even, but ninety one, whatever. But like to the eighty seven, eighty six, like you cannot get by. Unless you're literally as good at point control, other, your yes, stuff moves. Yes, like and even Maddox. then, your ceiling is so limited by your inability to strike guys. Yep. All right, Johnny. Yeah. Final thoughts. Well, I mean, I I can't wait to I can't wait to get started. We're going down there um, March nineteenth, I guess. So uh-huh, I still yeah. have I still have a couple weeks, and I'll be down there towards the. Which tail would be nice, considering you've been like. In Minnesota, on parade floats, here and there. Oh, but yeah, real quick, light, I know this life. is I know this is a Phillies crowd. I mean, can we can we petition to make it a Reese Hoskins tattoo instead of a Nick Foles tattoo? No, yeah, for pe- <laughs> for people that people that don't listen to my regular show, at some point I started mouthing off saying that yeah, and the Eagles are gonna be fine with <laughs> we're fine with Nick Foles, and if Nick Foles wins a Super Bowl, I'll get his face tattooed on my back. <laughs> Wasn't a bet or anything. You're just you just said it. I just said it. Normally, and, the anti-Nick Foles guy would say, it would be somebody that said, if Nick Foles can't win a Super Bowl, if he does, I'll get a tattoo. No, I was actually supporting Nick Foles and somehow en- ending up with his face on my back, a real tattoo. So, uh, no, John Brazier actually texted me, and he said that if uh, if the Phillies win a World Series in, in 2018, will you get uh, Oduble tattooed <laughs> on you? And, and this is what I said to him. I'll get El Torito from from uh, like shoulder, shoulder blade to shoulder. to shoulder blade up top. I'll get yeah. I'll get El Torito. I, see, that would be a much more badass tattoo than that Nick Foles' face. Ass, see, that'd dude. be cool. Like, that'd be like gang member. Yes. Like, and then they look down and be like, "What is that?" Yes, What's that's that face? even better. El Torito, Nick Foles. It's great. You got to do. By the way, the the 
the yeah. Foles picture from getting off the plane with the, the headphones and the glasses. But no, that, I don't. No, I don't. It's so ridiculous. No, I don't. All right. Uh, my final thought is pitchers and catchers tomorrow, and uh, we are going to be here for you, especially, look, if any signing happens, whatever, we've already shown that John will literally call from anywhere at any time to be able it's to a do it. snowstorm. Yes, in the car. Via Twitter. People honking. John's cursing. All kinds of awesome stuff. We will be there if the <laughs> Phillies make any big moves. Either way, we'll be there. Uh, more and more now that the uh, the football season's wrapped up, and we'll uh, we'll get our baseball oh, chatter going. Oh yeah, fired up, fired up. All right, for uh, for John Marks, for uh, for myself, James Seltzer, and uh, yeah, for the absent Jack Fritz. This has been high hopes. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.